This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Kickin' Life Podcast. Your host, your truly Kickin' Life guru, Master Rich Grogan. Hey, as Rocky says, nothing hits harder in life. It's not about how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. And that's how winning is done. And I want you to be a winner. I want you to be your very, very best. I want to inspire and motivate you to believe in yourself. So when, not if, but when life knocks you down, you get right back up with that confidence that I can take on more, I can do more, and I can live my best kick in life. All right, so buckle up, saddle up, here we go. Kicking lifers out there, how are you? Happy day to you. Thanks again for tuning in to another exciting episode of the Kicking Life Podcast. Now, if you've listened the last two or three weeks, boy, we've rocked your world. We had uh, Master Chip Townsend on a couple weeks ago, then Kyoshi Dave Kovar, both exceptional martial artists, exceptional entrepreneurs, and they're doing an exceptional job of helping create a better society by doing everything they're doing to help the kids. It's kind of the same thing we do at our academy there, inspiring, motivating, and then, of course, building that belief and self-confidence not only in the kids, but also the parents and the adults, too, to help everyone just get a little bit more out of life and live a better life. And last week, we actually had the Ocho Man, who's the, also the host of the Cowboys podcast, Mr. John Okabinjian, and he was in here, and we did a little reverse things. He actually, uh, even though he was a guest, I guess, on the Kickin' Life show, I was kind of the guest because he interviewed me, and we talked about everything that's gone on in the makings, kind of the foundation of what's brought the Kickin' Life show to you, what's helped me develop into the Kickin' Life guru, and also the successful steps followed, or I'm sorry, perceived by all the uh, uh, failures that went into that. In other words, a lot of times, and I'm telling you what, and I say this all the time, and I know you, you, I know you hear it all the time, not only for me, but all the other motivational podcasts and things you listen to, but failure is not the opposite of success, nor is success the opposite of failure. I used to think that, and I tell you, it took a while to pound that thought out of my head, but I had to experience it. And that is uh, going through the adversity, going through the challenges, being knocked down, and then making the choice to get back up. And there were several times when I, would, I just wanted to lay there, and I did for a little bit. But then I quickly found, you know what? No one's going to pick me up. i got to pick myself up. And that's through all the little trials and tribulations of everything we've done to kind of create the business to where it's at today and to move forward with everything we've got going on now. And I know there's millions and billions of people out there that have suffered far worse than I have. And you know what? I, I, I sympathize with you. I really do. But I can give you all the sympathy in the world, and that's still not going to help you achieve what you want to achieve. You have to do it yourself. You have to believe in yourself to do it. And I talked. we talked about on the show the couple bankruptcies we went through, the house foreclosure, the car repossessions, and you know countless other things, and not only the stress of never having enough money to pay the bills, which always seems to be you know, the biggest problem for everybody today. There's never enough money. But here's the deal, and I focused on this a few weeks ago, there's always enough time. And I used to make this excuse, and that's all it was, was an excuse, saying, oh, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And of course, the more I told myself I didn't have time, the less time I had, because I focused on telling myself why I couldn't do it to make more excuses. There's the time I was wasting right there in front of my face. There's always time. If you think about the amount of time you waste on social media, the amount of time you waste watching garbage on TV, uh, CNN, Constantly Negative Network, or, and you know what, life is meant to be enjoyed. 
So you can watch the shows that you enjoy, but if you sit there and take a six-hour binge and watch, you know, whatever shows you watch on Netflix and watch seven different episodes, well, you know what? You do have time. You chose to waste your time on that instead of choosing to waste your time, and wouldn't be wasting, actually spending your time on self-growth, motivation, inspiration, and finding and seeking out what you want to help your life become better. There it is. Now, I tell you that from experience because I was on the other side. And on the other side, you know, like I said, all I do is find excuses. And it's easy to find excuses. But once you start to condition yourself to say, you know what? Excuses are getting me nowhere. I am not happy. I'm not where I want to be because I continuously make excuses. I'm going to do something different. Easy for me to say? Absolutely, it's easy for me to say. It's probably the simplest thing in the world. I can say anything, anything I want. Listen to that. Anybody can say anything they want. That's simple. But the actionable steps are tough. So when you do make that choice, not if, but when you do, I believe in you. I want you to believe in yourself. And if you want something better, you're going to go for it. You're going to do it. But when you make that choice, that's when it really gets tough. Because now you're going to start stepping out from the group. You're going to start doing things differently. And what's going to happen when you're going to get from that? You're going to have a lot of heartaches and headaches right off the bat. But here's the deal. Here's what nobody tells you. Invest that time now. Do that now. Take those baby steps now. And the return on your investment, and that's a business term, ROI, return on investment, is going to be priceless. Now, you may not be in business and, and you may have never heard that term, return on investment. Well, here it is. Your invested time is going to provide the best return ever. What you do today is going to help tomorrow. What you work on today is going to provide priceless dividends later. And the same thing we talk about the academy with the kids. Invest that time with the kiddos now. Too many times we get wrapped up with, yeah, okay, Johnny, okay. Of course, I always say that, and our producer, John, over here gives me a look. But uh, <laughs> but uh, instead of taking the time to actually focus on the kiddos, talk to the kiddos, we're more interested in what the heck's going on in social media world. Now, I tell you that, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I, for the longest time, I did the same thing, and it was a hard habit to break. But if you never admit it and you never think about it, you're never going to be able to break that habit. So focus on the time with the kids now. What you invest now with your life, your kids, is going to provide priceless dividends later. So today I was um, uh, on my morning run here, and something came across on uh, one of the uh, YouTube channels I was listening to. I always listen to motivational stuff as I run, and, and it was everyone. Everyone has enthusiasm at some point in time. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to do this. And, 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 you know, everybody has good intentions. They're going to do this. They mean well. But what happens the next morning comes along, and that drive, that motivation, that enthusiasm you had now becomes an excuse. Why? Well, I'm kind of tired today. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't feel like doing it today. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, you know, I don't know. I'm never going to get in shape like I want. You know, I'm just going to stay stuck with this crappy job. I absolutely hate it, but at least it's a job. I don't have to go look for another job. Boom. What happened to that enthusiasm you had the night before? It's gone. So here's the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people. Now, there's a lot of differences, but I heard this one. I was like, oh, man, there's bang. There's that right hook reality. Everybody has the enthusiasm at some point in time. What separates people is the perseverance and the persistence and the discipline to follow up with that enthusiasm. What happens usually when people say, yeah, I'm going to do it? Well, they already talk themselves out in their mind if they even take that next step. And then they try and do way too much too soon, and boom, it's gone. Baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. As long as you're moving forward, you're making progress. If you stay in the same spot, of course, you're not going anywhere, right? 
quit making excuses. I know we talked about that on the, one of the last podcasts, and it's pretty much, I, I, and I was the king of excuses. I say these things because I want you to relate to me and know that I was over there. I was the king of excuses. I had excuses for excuses. I had excuses for things that didn't happen yet. But change that. Changing that has changed my life. I want you to live your best kick in life. So the uh, little quote I'm going to give you right now, and I've said this probably four or five different times, is, and I want you to listen to this, excuses are the nails that built the house of failure. Chew on that for a little bit. And those that have heard it before, chew on it again. Excuses. If you're making excuses, you're definitely not finding solutions. Okay. So anyway, moving on, um, I've got a special guest on the show today, and this young man has been with me literally his whole life, and um, he's went through some ups and downs. Having me as a dad, that's, that's ups and downs. Oh, I just gave it away. I just did. <laughs> I was setting it all up, and I bombed it. Anyway, without further ado, my best buddy, he probably gets embarrassed when I say that, but he truly, truly is. He's 17 years old now, and I couldn't be more proud of any son He's gone through some trials and tribulations just like every teenager, and also having me as a dad has been pretty tough on him, but um, he's battled through, and he's turned out to be an absolutely wonderful young man, and that is my son, my oldest son, Austin Grogan. Austin, say hi to everybody. Well, thank you. I think you're too hard on yourself as a dad. I think you're a good dad, so <laughs> well, I, I don't get embarrassed when you say best buddy either. It's Okay. All good. <laughs> yeah, um, and it, it, it's, that's the amazing thing about being 17. When he was 14 and stuff, that was uh, that was a little on the embarrassing side. And to be honest, as a dad, it was, I don't know, uh, becoming a dad is, is wonderful. It's great. It's the best thing in the world. But it's also the toughest, most challenging thing in the world. And the thing that I've learned is you gain a whole new appreciation and respect for my dad <laughs> now that I'm a dad. And uh, you, those out there that are parents, you can reflect back on that because you know, and I mentioned all the times, uh, my dad and I did not have the best relationship growing up, and uh, he simply did the best he could do with what he had, and, you know, it, it just is what it is. Now we've developed a great relationship, and I think a lot of that is maybe I've matured just a little bit, but also he kind of sees the dad I've turned into, which is, I don't know, I, I think I do a pretty good job, maybe, part-time, and <laughs> uh, but uh, our kids have turned out to be pretty good, and that's always a success. When, when you see great kids... Of course, what do you think? Well, parents had to have something to do with it, right? On the other side, if you see kids that are just total hellcats, we think, well, the parents had something to do with it, right? The truth is parents probably had nothing to do with it because they had no involvement with the kids. Wow. So anyway, Austin, uh, 17 years old. You've been with the studio for a long time, uh, well, since you could crawl. And uh, you uh, one of our instructors at the studio. And then also we've kind of thrown you into a new role of program directing. And that's, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about program directing, what in the world that's all about. Uh, it's a little different than instructing. Of course, yeah, it's totally different uh, than instructing. It's kind of a third instructor role, so you're still hopping on the mats and helping out with classes for sure. But uh, a, bi a big deal in program directing and uh, just business in general is making sure everybody's happy. So going around, making sure the parents are uh, all happy and if they have any questions, answering the questions and uh I don't know, just helping everybody. And I tell you what, being 17 years old, going around and talking to parents, at, uh, and I know you've been asking for some time about doing more behind-the-scenes stuff with the business. And for the longest time, I was like, well, buddy, let's, let's get, you know, you're doing a great job as instructing. <laughs> Boy, I, I, this is a little tough because you only are a teenager, and we're talking to adults that have kids your age. 
And uh, so we were a little reluctant about doing that because we always try and set people up for success. We don't want to set people up for failure. And that's the same thing what I try and do with the staff and then with uh, the kids at the studio. Set them up for success, not set them up for failure. But Austin was very persistent, which I was proud of him. And that kind of goes back <laughs> to what we talked about at first. He really wanted to give this a shot. And we're like, you know what? Get on out there and see what you can do. Um, and part of the job is actually making phone calls. Yes. To people that um, we call them DNS, did not show if they've missed more than seven uh, seven days. We give them a buzz just saying, hey, we're just checking in. How's things going? We miss you at the academy. Because what happens is with anything, it doesn't matter if it's coming to the martial arts academy, exercising, or even uh, if you've got a hobby that you're trying to turn into something more than that, if you don't stay consistent with it, out of sight becomes out of mind. So, Austin, when you, when, when you call the parents up, are, are you embarrassed? That, or not embarrassed, but uh, nervous or shy about talking to the parents? Well, when I first did it, uh, it was never that I was super nervous. But, I mean, it was it was a little uncomfortable at first. But I've gotten I've definitely gotten used to it. And the parents love getting the phone calls. And uh, they like how we like having them there. And they like us checking up on them. And it really does make a huge difference. Good. The awesome. personal connection. So I remember, um, and Austin may forget some of these things, but it's always rewarding to me to, to kind of reflect back. We had a, uh, and Austin was about nine or 10 years old at the time, we had a teacher's night at the studio where the kids got to bring uh, a teacher in. And the <laughs> teacher came in and Austin met him at the door and said, hello, uh, ma'am, or sir, it was ever there. My name's Austin and shook their hand and handed them the liability form and walked them over and told them, where to, you know, put your shoes side by side, nice and neat here, and please have a seat anywhere you'd like. And these, parents, these teachers like, what the heck is he 15 16 years old and i said no he's nine they're like oh my gosh and that's just a reflection of him being committed to be his very best because that's what i've pounded into his head his whole life and but i've tried to do it in a little better manner maybe than we talked about with dad growing up trying to learn but balance it out be firm but yet at the same time be understanding be patient and try and reason and explain why you're doing things that's the thing that I'm probably the most proud of being a parent. There's many things that I'm not very proud of of being a parent, but that is just taking that time to invest. And I started off talking about return on investment and parents out there, I'm telling you, put in the time now and the investment, the priceless dividends you're going to receive later, boy, that's what all the hard work is for. And it's never easy. Parenting is, like I said, the most rewarding, but at the same time, it's also the most difficult, time-consuming job there is. Especially with time. kids. Well, he's uh, uh, actually, we've, we've got three wonderful kids, but just like any parent, you got to put it in the time. So, Austin, um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, being a teenager in today's world, it's, uh, it's definitely tough. It's much tougher than, and every generation says this, it's much tougher, or, or I guess every generation says this, oh, these kids today, what the heck? Oh, my gosh, when I was a kid, oh, I, you know, walked to school 10 miles and 10 feet of snow uphill both ways and, you know, the old sob stories. And I had so much more respect than, than all these kids today. And that's every generation's. My parents said it to me, and I'm sure I've said it uh, to, to my kids and others. But I try and wean myself from that now and try and do a better job of connecting, not saying how hard, you know, my life was growing up, simply that they don't care. So connect in a way that they do understand. But the what I feel is definitely a problem today, and, and Austin, I'm going to get his opinion on this in a minute, is um, the everybody gets a trophy mindset. And even if you just show up and you don't put forth a, a bit of effort, oh, you know what, thanks for being here, here's a trophy. So Austin, you've battled through a ton, and I've been extremely rough and hard on you in a loving manner. And uh, at first when you were a kid, you didn't understand it because how could you? But I always tried to explain why I was doing it to help you become your very, very best. So when you became a teenager, as you are now, you can kind of see the other side of it. But 
you know, at the studio, do we, does everybody get their belt? Well, of course not. <laughs> they definitely have to earn it. And thank you for all the kind words. And um, I just kind of want to take it like I I don't want to say today's society as if I know like another society because I'm only 17. But um, listen, that feel, humility. <laughs> nice job. I feel like everybody's too sensitive, way too sensitive. Um, just like you were saying with the everybody gets a trophy thing, it's I I personally think it's ridiculous if you don't put in the effort and if you don't try your best and you you don't deserve it. You know if I uh, like like we say uh, at the academy, if you do, you don't get what you don't deserve. Yeah, well said, Austin, and uh, you, you're exactly right. So I guess on the other side, uh, and I don't want people to think we're too hard and firm, but our whole goal is to, you know, inspire these kids in a motivating way, but then again, never lie to them that um, you know life's going to be easy. And that doesn't mean you have to be a hard butt at it, but it does mean that we have to say, look. I want you to be your very, very best. I'm not going to give you something that you haven't earned. I'm going to set you up for success. I'm going to give you all the tools, but darn it, you've got to be the one to do it. You've got to be the one because on the playground, when some bully comes up and is going to knock, knock you one good, going to knock you out and give you a knuckle sandwich, that's when that courage and confidence is going to kick in because you've conditioned that by doing your best. So, uh, and you, you know, uh, obviously growing up in school, <laughs> You'd see the kids and this and that, and the kids that you could tell that uh, seems like mommy and daddy coddled them too darn much. What happened to those kids? I mean, on the playground. I mean, the kids took advantage of them, didn't they? Oh, for sure, a- absolutely. And it's not. Uh, I mean, some of them get bullied, and and some of them don't. But it's just the fact that there's no confidence whatsoever. It's like they don't know uh, how to act, and just. Um, it kills you, doesn't it? I mean, you feel sorry for these kids because you want to do what you can to help, but they've never had to do anything for themselves. And Master exactly. Chip Townsend a few weeks ago had talked about, no, we want to protect our kids. We don't want them to get hurt. However, we cannot put them in a bubble. And not that we're going to go push our kids down to see, okay, I push you down, I get back up. And that may be a bit harsh, but if they do fall, yeah, you want to help them, but a skin knee isn't going to kill them. A skin knee is going to teach them to get back up. And a skin knee might be the thing that teaches them to do a better job of listening instead of walking out in the street and getting hit by a car. There's a huge difference between a skin knee and getting hit by a car, right? For but sure. you have to and, learn. And we like to say uh, we're Academy of Life Changers, and we change kids' lives and whatnot. Um, and, and it's definitely not going to change anyone's life. Well, it could in a bad way if we just, uh, like, say just for an example, doing the self-defense, if we just grabbed them and let them get out of it real easy and give them a hand and say, good job, that, that's, that's not going to help. And just with everything we do, it, um, we like to change people's lives and, you know, actually make them work for it, make them work for the belt, make them work for um, everything they earn, and that's, that's what I like. Wow. Want. Well said, buddy. Well said. And uh, what Austin's talking about there is during self-defense there, and, and we once again, we set kids up for success. We give them the tools, and we start off building successful steps. That's what builds the confidence. But darn it, they've been with us a while. Um, we grab their wrist or grab their arm or we put a fist in their face just like a child on the playground is going to do to them. Dang it, they have to be able to defend themselves. And if we, as Austin just alluded to, we let them just, we barely hang on. They get out. We're like, yay, great job. Now, at first, building confidence, you know, we're not going to give them a death grip or they can't get out, <laughs> some four-year-old kid. However, if they've been with us a while and they've been working on the same technique for six months to a year, gosh darn it, they better be able to get out of it. And if they can't, then they're not getting their belt because obviously they have not put in the time, effort, energy, and commitment to be better. And if we reward them with a belt they haven't earned, then they go to school, and boy, then the first time somebody attacks them and they can't get out of it, what does that do? 
That says we're a bunch of liars, and we've also set that kid up for failure because we haven't made them earn it. And that's kind of uh, a, a long story around talking about this everybody gets a trophy mindset. Now, I'm all about rewarding kids for good efforts, but here's the thing. If you reward the kids that don't put forth an effort, you are actually punishing the kids that work their butt off. So, Austin, uh, y- y- you know, when we were part of an organization, and um, which was some time ago, I, all the kids at the academy and even in sports and everything else, I pushed them to be their very, very best. And like I said, they probably didn't understand at the time, but I did everything I could to try and explain it to them. Look, I want you to be better. As you get older, you're going to start to realize these things. So that's kind of thinking, which I think really society has a tough time with today, and it, it, it leads to so many problems that we have right now. We're, we're thinking short term instead of long term. What can I do that's easy today just to make it easier and be done with it? Instead of thinking, you know what, what I do today is going to impact the future. What I do today is going to help them when they're a teenager. Now, is that easy to think that way? No, it's not. It's much easier just to say, you know what, here, just, here, just, just go play my phone and, and get out of my hair. Just, it's whatever. Well, what you're doing is you're conditioning those kids. Well, just you're not important to me. What happens there? Austin, just like any other kid, they grow up. He's 17 years old right now. Anybody that's got a teenager or anybody that's got a kid, you know, older than that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You blink once, bang, what the heck just happened here? And something I do all the time, Austin and, uh, you know, Emmett, he, uh, he gets on to me. I, I look at Emmett, which is my 8-year-old, and I call him Austin quite often. And Emmett will say, oh, Dad, I'm Emmett. I'm like, oh, yeah, you are. But why I do that, I don't mean to do it, but I still remember Austin at that age. But now he's suddenly 17 years old. What happened? Well, anyway, we kind of circle back around as we do in this show, trying to, you know, little sidebar notes. Back to the, um, uh, the organization we're with. So you worked your butt off to go to test for black belt. And Absolutely. we get up there, and some of the kids obviously, uh, I guess, didn't work as hard <laughs> to, <laughs> to, uh, um, as you did, and they still got your belt. Now, as a kid, how did that make you feel? I, I definitely feel like, well, obviously, I felt like they didn't deserve it, but it was just kind of degrading. Like, I, I worked so hard and uh, put in a ton of effort to, to get that belt, and it, it meant it still meant a whole ton to me to get it. But at, at the same time, it's like, man, some of these kids that I was working with, they really didn't know their stuff, and I, I definitely feel like they should not have got their belt. It was a black belt, too. Like, for to get a black belt, I feel like you have to be, should know everything and should be, you know, pretty awesome at sure. what you're doing. and So it was almost deflating, right? I mean, you worked mm-hmm. your butt off. And it's similar, you know, the everybody gets an A mindset. So you study your butt off for a test, and somebody else just, uh, you know, doesn't. And the teacher comes in and says, well, you know what, we're going to be fair today, and um, we're going to give everybody an A. If that happens, are you going to study for the next test? Heck no. <laughs> Why should you, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so what happens is it actually brings everybody down. And uh, if uh, it's something we, we used to have a sign in the academy, it's somewhere now, but I think we, we've replaced it with all these other motivational signs, which is awesome. But keep your standards high. Those that need to be in your life will rise up to meet them. Now, when I first put that up, of course, as, a, as even, I don't know, a 10, 12, 13-year-old, it probably didn't mean a lot to you, did it? Not, what, what the no, heck is standards, not, right? right. <laughs> what the heck's dad talking about here, saying all these things? Well, my whole goal was to pound your mind. And uh, I almost said pollute, but pollute's on the yucky side. So how about refresh your mind? 
<laughs> with all these positive okay. affirmations and positive sayings and quotes to just continuously pound your mind with these things. And after you hear them over and over and over again, it becomes second nature. So like Austin, anytime you meet somebody, you go up and you know, make eye contact, shake hands. Hello, sir, how are you? My name is, and now you see Emmett doing that. And it's nothing to you guys because you've been doing it your whole life. But, um, well, I don't pick on anybody in our family, but we had a little get-together. Uh, it was a few years ago. And here Austin comes up and introduces himself. Hey, my name is Austin. And shaking hands with their people like, what the heck? Who is this kid? And then other members of the family kind of came up and, hey, how are you? Yeah, okay. And, but, and not that he was doing bad, but he was just acting like any other teenager, which there's a difference. We talk about standing out from the crowd, right? Those that are going to get noticed. Being respectful, most importantly, to yourself so you can respect others. And just once that constant conditioning of pounding it in there, and that brings up my next point about Zig Ziglar. So, Austin, <laughs> maybe share with everybody uh, how much you, I don't want to say hated Zig Ziglar, but at first you're like, Tad. Yeah, every, every time we were in the car. and Well, I remember uh, uh, when I was – much littler every time I was in the car. I look forward to listening to some ACDC or Motley Crue or Kiss or something like that um, when I got in my Brought him up right, guys. Up. 80s music. And heck yeah. Um, no, but uh, <laughs> he started listening to Zeke Ziegler, and every, I, I don't want to hate on Zeke Ziegler because now like, I understand like he's a great guy, and he definitely helped out uh, uh, even myself and uh, definitely my dad. But every time he, uh, he'd turn him on in the car, me and uh, the rest of – uh, my siblings say, oh, man, really? Where does that rock and roll at, Dad? You know, stuff like that. And I mean, we were kids. I mean, they still are, and I guess I still am too. So I would much rather <laughs> listen to uh, music and stuff. But it, it definitely helps. And But well, that was kind of that future <laughs> thinking once again. And um, I remember the actually the first uh, Zig Ziglar CD I got was uh, Better Than Good. And it was a long one. I mean, a long one. And it was one of the later ones in Zig Ziglar's career before he passed away. So he was very, 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 very slow with his talking and reading because, well, he was in his 70s and uh, he'd given his life to being motivational. He still had it, but it was much, much slower than some of the other ones as we, we got along. So I listened to that better than good. It was a seven disc cd thing <laughs> and uh, i'd pick the kids up from school and they would be playing like dad do we have to yes we have to listen to this this is good stuff for you and i'd almost get <laughs> on to them and i'm like wait a minute <laughs> i'm listening to stuff to be motivating but yet i'm getting on to them in a kind of a negative manner um and that whole started and i'm gonna give a big shout out i've, I've talked to this uh, about this young lady before and she's gonna be on a future podcast and that is uh, Melody Schumann. She's also a rock star in the martial arts industry. She's got this wonderful uh, skills program for kids, and it's all about a developmental program for younger kids going up through the martial arts. And she's really revolutionized uh, kind of the growth progression of young kids through, and I'm talking really young kids, little small kids, uh, three and four years old, all the way up through kids in their early teens. But I, I saw her at a, a conference, and she kept talking about this Zig Ziglar guy. And I'm like, oh, man, I have never heard of Zig Ziglar. Holy cow. And it was just kind of odd that not only her, but two other people brought up Zig Ziglar at this conference I went to, which was really the first step of getting outside of my bubble there. And Austin, it was a Champions Way conference, and it was the same time I met uh, Kiyoshi Dave Kovar. And if you remember when I came back, all the stuff I had, I don't know how many different <laughs> meetings, and I, I mentioned last time about overloading 
people with information, but I was so excited. Oh, I got all this great information. I've never heard this stuff before. This is amazing. I've always felt this way, but I did not express it because unfortunately the organization we're with was really, um, and tight niche isn't the right word, but really close minded. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. They're, they're kind of stuck in their ways, right? Yes. And, uh, the same ways that they've been in, in what's our term evolve or dissolve, evolve or dissolve. Yep, because you got to continue to evolve or you're going to dissolve and get passed by. And uh, with, with that, and I don't want to say anything negative about the organization because that doesn't say anything good about me if I do that. But I will say that, yes, the, the closed-mindedness, they haven't changed things up since the 60s. And there's something to be said about tradition, but there's also something to be said about connecting with your intended audience. And if you want to help people become their best, you've got to evolve or what happens, Aust? You dissolve. <laughs> <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Because it's a different culture, it's a different society, it's a different way of learning. And if you don't evolve to that, you are going to dissolve. So, but anyway, uh, I met, and it was, it's kind of crazy how this all happened. Because it was 2012, and I had just quit my uh, teaching job. Matter of fact, a little another little side note. Austin, do, do you remember uh, what you were doing? Well, we had summer camp the, uh, that week, but you left summer camp early in the week to go somewhere to do something. Jeopardy. Da, na, 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 na. Little League something. something. Baseball. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was like a highlight of your life, the Little League World Series. Oh, my, I did those around the same time. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. I, I yes. guess the life okay. of a teenager's got okay. so many things to choose from there. Well, I didn't know it was around the same time. So, <laughs> anyway, we. we um, um, I'll never forget it, though. Okay, good. So, we um, had our, our summer camps like we do every summer, and that was back in the day when uh, I was the one man band doing everything at the studio, basically just yeah. being a horrible business owner because. Uh, I taught every class, talked to every parent, signed up every student, and uh, took every phone call, email. It was just a one-man band. And uh, it was crazy. He he worked his butt off. He like underplayed how much he uh, really did. Honestly, just uh, day in and day out. Just um, well, even when he was still teaching too, he he's still a one-man band. So he'd uh, teach at the schools all day, and then come to the studio, and then teach, and then stay up all night doing behind-the-scenes stuff, and then do it all again. And it's like, man. I, I was waiting till you run out of go-go, but you never did. <laughs> well, I was, I was definitely, I, I always kept on that front, but I was uh, behind the scenes. Uh, you know, there's a saying, burning the candle at both ends. Well, that wasn't challenging enough anymore, burning the candle at both ends. So I decided to go ahead and light the candle in the middle there and see if I couldn't totally burn out. <clears throat> Craziness. But um, all part of that was, and Austin was, was never, uh, I've talked to him more about, different sides of the business since he's actually in a little bit of the administrative side now with the program directing and helping out and uh, actually signing people up with memberships which is incredible for a 17 year old to to have that insight and that fortitude and knowledge to uh, and the confidence to be able to talk to parents about signing up for memberships but anyway yeah he's he's right there that the biggest reason there were two or three well actually there's probably more than that reasons why I had to finally move on. One, I had bigger dreams and goals. And being a teacher is rewarding. It's excellent. But I wanted to I wanted to impact more people than just inside the school district. I wanted to impact them not only uh, in the community, but also in society and continue to move forward and do everything I can like this podcast to share the message. Believe in yourself to live your best possible life. But believe in yourself means you believe in yourself to overcome those adversities and challenges that knock you down. And just uh, kind of a quick recap on that. The la my last year teaching, and this had been going on for years upon years, I would teach eight, nine classes a day, go to the studio that night, teach another four or five classes, and then uh, stay at the academy because I was all jacked up after teaching some rock star classes. 
that I had to decompress, I had to unwind. So I'd stay there till about 11 or 12 o'clock doing paperwork, and then I would go home and eat dinner at 12.30 and got to work on other paperwork, finances and paying bills and then seeing student counts and numbers coming in. And uh, uh, we didn't have payroll back then because <laughs> I had no employees, but we still had taxes and bills and everything else that goes along with running a business, which I really did not know a lot about, tried to teach myself. But when you teach yourself stuff that, uh, well, there's a big difference between teaching yourself how to do something within the business and then of course anytime you're dealing with taxes and finances and uncle sam that's a scary thing but i work on that till two or three in the morning get back up and fall asleep at the computer usually get back up at six o'clock and do it again now i thought i was invincible i had the mindset of a teenager you know i can do this forever but i was really starting to run out of go-go and what really was the determining factor was the only connection i would have with my kids is when I pick them up from school or when I got home at midnight or whenever it was from the studio and they had left socks in the floor or they left their shoes over here, stuff. Yeah, they're very disciplined about some things, but I would, I would kind of get on to them in a very hard manner. I'm not going to say I lost my mind, but what happened, I started to realize, and Desi said, are you becoming, or you're not becoming the dad you want to be. You're drifting further and further away from being that person. And it's because you're dealing with kids all day long at the school. You're dealing with kids all day long at the academy. And you get here, and you're done. you got nothing left. And she was exactly right. So it was very tough leaving the teaching job, especially finally after two bankruptcies and house foreclosure and car repossessions and everything else, found some stability. And after 11 years, you know, I got retirement and everything built up. But I had to move on because I wanted to do more. But most importantly, I wanted to be a better father. I wanted to connect with my kids. And that was through Desi just continuously letting me know, look, these are the prime times here. And the only time you're having with your kids is, is, is not good. And she was exactly right. So I tell you that because when I did quit teaching, <laughs> I thought things were going to get better. And that was probably the roughest year of my life there um, because now that I don't have a steady income coming in, I still didn't know what the heck to do. So even though I was working three times as hard, working even more hours, I still wasn't getting everything done. I still wasn't paying the bills. I still wasn't uh, uh, being the father I wanted to be. And that's where I finally said, you know what? I don't know what I don't know. And I started attending these conferences and that opened up a whole new world. And that world was started with Zig Ziglar, right, Austin? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. There's a, a huge disconnect uh, between, I, I wanna say all the kids, but I know for sure uh, me and my dad around that time but i mean obviously now we're super close um super duper close but there's just a big disconnect uh uh during that time so i was like well 15 it, it was the time that uh, i needed to be there the most and even though i wanted to be i i i wasn't you know you're going through your teenage years and here i'm trying to make this business a success and trying to you know uh do the best i could to set a good example but you don't know, and the listeners out there, I say this all the time because I'm telling you this from experience. You simply don't know what you don't know. And the only way to find out what you don't know is to surround yourself with people that know what you don't know. I know it's kind of hard to follow, but I mean, I'm telling you that from experience. And I try and share that with the team. And I tell the team on our Monday meetings, you, most of that stuff I realize goes right over the head, right? <laughs> but I continue to tell you guys that because I say, listen, I want to give you everything I've learned all the failures I've went through and the successes that I've achieved and the more the future successes that I know we're going to achieve. I'm telling you all this stuff, all the information I get from my mentors and uh, my, uh, I don't say counselors, but they're kind of like growth counselors in regards to business growth and, and uh, uh, being the best person you can be. All those things I try and pass on to you guys, and I know they're way over your head, 
but after a while of hearing them over and over and over again, they start to sink in, don't they? Absolutely. Treat us how we can grow to be, not how we are now. Woo! Did you hear that, everybody? That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I've said that I don't know how many times. In oh, the, countless. <laughs> probably the first hundred times I said it, you're like, what the heck's he talking about here? But that's, that's exactly it. And I learned that from, uh, wow, my gosh, I, I don't even know who taught me that one. But treat people the way you know, or the way you see they can be, you know, the, the way you know they're going to be, not the way they are. So, and, and by doing that, you're motivating them, but you're talking above them. You're talking, and I'm not talking above them to insult them, but talking at a level like, I want you to be here. I want your standards here. Let me give you a quick example. It's amazing how these, these thoughts spur <coughs> other thoughts. Just yesterday, I'm on the phone with my um, kind of, uh, I guess we'll call her my publicist. And uh, she's helping me with editing my book and um, the publishing company, and then also our uh, new business. We started Aim High Publishing, all kinds of different stuff, but it all has to do with the book. And she's telling me, well, like I just said, the things I don't know. That's why I've hired her to kind of help me out. And we're talking, and she says, well, you know, other authors, but you got to think, what kind of author are you? And I stopped, and I said, oh, my gosh, I never thought of myself as an author. And she goes, well, what do you think you are? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> she goes, well, you are. You, you've written a book here. Now, the book, well, it needs some serious editing, but because uh, right now it's kind of like almost the podcast, your random thoughts, bing, bang, boom, things all over the place. But uh, she said that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I said to her, here's the crazy thing. Up until about three years ago, I was afraid to call myself an entrepreneur. And she goes, why? I go, I don't know. <laughs> so that's what I'm telling all you out there listening. It, it, it's those deep-seated beliefs of doubt, that self-doubt that just has, I don't know, has set a foundation and has grown into a monstrous, I don't want to say a tree, a tree's a beautiful thing, it's grown into an enormous pile of garbage, I guess, that just pollutes your mind. And I would even say to my friends, uh, you know, about being an entrepreneur, and they're like, dude, you've had a business for 20 years, and six, seven years prior to that, you were talking about starting a business. What is the definition of an entrepreneur? I'm like, so I'm an entrepreneur? And they wanted to punch me one, and I'm like, Please do. I wish somebody would have hit me a long time ago. But it's that thought about you're never good enough. And uh, that's kind of that deep-seated garbage that's in the brain there, and that's why I continuously try and work it out. But I know others are out there like that. So I got that because, and this was yesterday. I talked to her, and she called me an author, and I'm like, I am. So she said, same advice I give to everybody else. And what's the old rule there? You talk about the things that you need to hear the most <laughs> because you want to learn them to be a better influence and motivator for others. So... Um, anyway, she said, look in the mirror and say, Master Rich Grogan, Kicking Life Guru, you're an author. You're a best-selling author. You're an entrepreneur. You're a success mentor. I'm like, oh, yeah. I tell people to do that stuff all the time. Maybe not the author and entrepreneur thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of crazy when somebody's throwing it back at me, and I'm like, yeah. So anyway, what Austin was alluding to is uh, I, I do that at the academy. I talk at a level that I know they're going to be at. I push them to a level that I know they're going to be at because I see it in them, and I give them everything I possibly can. And my ultimate goal is to help them become not only their absolute very best, but to achieve that level of success, that whatever success is to them, at a much, much, much quicker pace than it took me. And uh, so, Austin, with that being said, and the Zig Ziglar thing, and I know that uh, – you know, when you get in the car today, although we, we don't uh, ride in the car too much anymore, he's a big 17-year-old, and 
he's uh, usually got some hot chicks with him and guys and everything else, so doesn't oh, usually have true. time for dad. So, uh, <laughs> But anyway, when we are in the car and we're listening to some stuff, uh, can you kind of see where that motivation started? With- uh, absolutely. I, I definitely can. And uh, Before I talk about that, um, I just want to let if anybody was wondering about the Little League World Series, he was talking about. Yeah, that I was just, like ten minutes ago. I know, right? <laughs> just random thoughts, but um, I just well, we went to Kansas City and uh, me and my team won the whole thing. And in the last game, uh, I pitched and I got the game ball and they didn't score and we kicked some butts. So <laughs> won the Little League World Series, Kansas City. Well, that was a quick recap. A, a whole <laughs> week of baseball there and. <clears throat> 15 seconds. Good job, Austin. Thank you. Thank you. Now, got the, a few game balls, actually. He did. Uh, the truth be told, it was uh, I went in to quit my job uh, on a Friday, and it was the last day of our summer camp. I quit my teaching job. I thought it was, well, just being honorable. I went in and told him face-to-face, and it was, um, it was definitely hard felt. It was hard to do, but it was the right thing to do. Then we drove up to Kansas City. Austin was already up there playing baseball. He rode up with a friend, and uh, we got there, and it was a great, great week, uh, week, and then weekend mm-hmm. of baseball and playing against some of the best up there. It, uh, it was, oh goodness gracious, was it twelve U or eleven U? I, I forgot which. I think twelve U sounds sounds right. Sounds right. I yeah, twelve and under. Anyway, um, so it was up in Kansas City. There they had uh, they have that every I guess it's July the Little League World Series up there, and uh, it was kind of a <coughs> preliminary to move on to uh, the grand stage where you play. Was it in Las Vegas? I, I guess. I know that you guys you, you guys won that round, but uh, um, I'm not exactly sure what happened after that. But anyway, they won the whole thing, uh, and it was uh, it was pretty incredible. But it was a great moment because there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I had just quit my job and uh, was really nervous about it. But at the same time, you know, I was like this, even though I was off for the summer. But this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to spend more time with the kids. And I'd love to tell you that happened but as i said earlier 2012 was a really rough year because now i I didn't know what the heck to do even though i didn't have an income coming in but that's all about overcoming those battles challenges and adversity it gets back to the thing i talked about many times you don't know what you don't know and and before before everybody starts thinking that uh he never spent any time with us and and he was a horrible dad it's totally not true um yes he did work his butt off but when he wasn't working his butt off he definitely was playing baseball and football and hockey with me and and the other kids, and, you know, how, how could I win the Little League World Series without, you know, a dad playing baseball with me all the time? And uh, he's a great uh, uh, athlete himself, um, hockey, baseball, football, all that stuff. So he taught me a ton, and what, uh, I don't know anybody else that knew the knowledge I knew when I was so young about that stuff and about motivational stuff and uh, martial arts. But So he was definitely a, the hugest factor well, in, in, in the help. So. Thank you, Austin. That, that means a lot to me. How much is that going to cost me if you'd have said that? <laughs> <laughs> so, you, do you take a personal check? <laughs> I, for sure. For sure. Uh, he's a great kid there. And uh, something I want to get, uh, get to before we uh, wrap it up here is all about that uh, connecting and, and, and trusting with Dad and how it's something that I did not have during my teenage years with Dad. Uh, it's something that I, that I missed out on, but uh, I – We've talked before, uh, and this was on the last podcast with Jono there, kind of the yin and yang. And a lot of people will say, well, if you're, you can't be their friend uh, and their father. You can only be the father, and I don't, uh, you're not my friend. I'm going to help you be your very, very best. 
Well, I disagree with that. I think the yin and yang, you know, that's the opposite, the black and white. And what that actually stands for, you've got hot, cold, fire, water, man, woman, hard, soft, all the dualities, all the opposites of the universe. And there's that middle line that cuts the yin and yang in half. And that middle line is that razor's edge. That's that perfect balance between the harmonies. So with being a father and a friend, I think as long as one doesn't uh, uh, bleed over into the other one, you can have that. And what I mean by that is you're a father first, so you're going to do everything you can to help them be their very, very best. They're not always going to understand your decisions. But trying to be a friend, I try and talk to them about why I've made the decisions. Now, they're not going to always understand that either. But if you're too hard as a father, you're going to lose the trust where they're going to come to you when there are problems. If you're too much of a friend, they're not going to respect you as a father, and they're not going to listen to you when you tell them not to do something. So it is a very slippery slope, if you will. And like I mentioned, that razor's edge that cuts the yin and yang in half, it's tough. And I've bled over on both sides. Now, I would like, well, I'm not going to lie to you here. I've bled over more on being a, I'm your father. And I, I, I always despise that. And anytime time I would say that, I'm like, God dang it, I want to kick my own butt for saying it because I never liked that to begin with. But I wanted to make sure that he knew the world was tough and I was going to try and condition him to be his very best growing up and that uh, when life did knock him down and it has many times hasn't it <laughs> absolutely as it does everyone else <laughs> there you go buddy and as much as I wanted to pick him up I made him pick himself up and a, a lot of those battles and things he didn't understand um, you know he was very forgetful as a kid and you know forget his glove forget his bat and uh, forget other things and uh, forget his helmet for bait or for football and I'd make him I don't know I don't want to say punish him, but I say, hey, buddy, we're going to learn, man. So he'd do push-ups, he'd sit out, and then he'd write notes and different things like that. Um, and a lot of those were, and I feel bad because some of them were a little on the harsh side, really, really harsh. Uh, but on the other side, I always tried to go up and give him a hug and a kid and say, buddy, I love you. The reason I'm doing this is because I want you to learn. And because if I don't teach you, life and society is going to teach you. And as hard as I am, life and society is much, much tougher. And you've, uh, you've seen that with your friends, right? Some friends that when you were a kid, they got away with anything and everything. And you're like, man, my dad doesn't let me do yeah. these things. What <laughs> the heck? But uh, now you look back and those friends, uh, it, it, it's one of those, if you don't pay the price now, you're going to pay the price later. So in mm -hmm. other words, if you don't learn the lesson now, you're going to learn a harder lesson later. Now, as a kid, you can't understand that, can you? That's no, hard as heck to understand. No, you cannot. And it seems like uh, some kids almost control the parents, not literally, but um, it's just uh, in the way that they, they can do whatever they want, and there's no real parenting. It's almost like you were saying earlier about the friend and uh, parent line, and some parents just don't even parent. And, and now those kids that got away with everything – jobless and just I, I don't understand what's going on in life and it's just they, they get knocked down and don't know how to get back up and so when they, they they're only doing what they've been conditioned to do right and when they don't get their way i mean they have a, a you know maybe not have a temper tantrum they did like a four-year-old but they have a temper tantrum as a teenager and that's just rebellion and uh not wanting to do anything and society sucks and everybody hates me and all that yucky garbage I blame it on somebody else. blame it on yep. somebody else and also how you feel about that <laughs> oh man not i do not like it <laughs> no and uh, you've heard me talk about that take 100 percent accountability and responsibility for your actions mm -hmm. we all screw up we all make mistakes but darn it say you know what i goofed I'm sorry about that. I messed up, but dang it, I'm going to do my very best to be a better person today. I goofed as a father uh, to you, and I appreciate the kind words. My biggest regrets, and I've shared this with you before, is in a minute, buddy. And for those listeners out there for the first time, the in a minute, buddy, was when I was 
really trying to get the business uh, um, well off the deck. It had been knocked down again. Austin was one, two, three, four, five, six, and kept going up. And he would come to me, hey, Dad, can we play? I'm like, you know what, in a minute, buddy. Now, I did – I hopefully made enough time to play. I tried to my best to be at every single game you had and then, you know, be a coach and uh, helper on your teams. But uh, And then we would play. But there's so many times I remember that I didn't. I said, in a minute, buddy. And Austin would go off and do something. He'd come back. Hey, Dad, has it been a minute yet? Well, no, no, buddy. Daddy's got to get this finished. I'm sorry. He'd come back. Hey, Dad, been a minute yet? Oh, buddy. And I look back now and that eats me every single day even though it was you know 15 16 years ago it's i still feel that so i'm telling you that one not not to think i'm a bad person but also that i'm owning up to it and i do everything i can now to make sure that i do a better job with that it's not easy but it's worth it so long story short on the in a minute buddy the next thing i know i would look down and austin would be asleep on the floor and i'm like gosh dang it you know what i'll, I'll do i'll do a better job tomorrow I'd love to say that I did, but tomorrow came and it was the same dang song and dance. So but by acknowledging it, I've made changes. I've gotten better at it, but I share that with you to let you know that I'm no different than anybody else. I simply made a choice now that I'm going to focus on the things that are important. I made a choice now to focus on being the very best I can be. And it's never easy. Nothing is ever easy. If it's easy, everybody would be doing it. And uh, one, I'm going to leave you this final note here because it's gonna be the next video blog I film, and it, that is, there is no app for success. There's only hard work. Now, all of us today, we've got, what, I don't know, I would, how many apps do you think are out there in the app store? Oh my goodness, There's, I have no idea. <laughs> how many apps do you think you have on your phone? Thousands. Uh, my phone, 20? Is that all you got? Maybe. Uh, I think I've probably got 50 uh, on my phone. <laughs> really? Maybe I have more. I, I don't count a lot. Well, anyway, uh, those apps <laughs> are very helpful, and I've got, I don't know how many different uh, success, inspirational, motivational, uh, meditative apps, and they are very, very helpful, and that's what they're there for. However, the app is not going to jump out of the phone and do the work for me. The, the app inside me has got to be the one to do that. So apps are helpful, but apps are not. There's no app for success. You have to do it. And as we start the podcast off, yes, be enthusiastic, be excited, be motivated about the show, but you've got to have the perseverance and persistence to take the next step and to move on. And you got to keep fighting that battle every single day. And I think the most important message on today, and Austin, thank you so much for being on the show with well, me, buddy. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. I had a really good time. Like good. It. Well, I'll have to have you back here, and uh, we'll dive into a few more things. But for sure. uh, there's only 45 minutes we got here. I feel like we could have <laughs> talked for so much longer. I got so much more to say. Now, be honest. Were you a little <laughs> nervous about getting on the show? Oh yeah, I was shaking at first. <laughs> I first started talking to you, I was super nervous. Yeah, didn't know what to say and stuff, but got more comfortable. I had a good time. I liked it. So there's another lesson. You overcame another fear, right? For sure. Absolutely. So you wouldn't have had to experience this great feeling if you wouldn't have overcome that fear in order to do it, right? There's a lesson out there, you know, the, the greatest rewards are the ones you achieve after overcoming a fear. You got to do it. You got to take that step. Anyway, the, the biggest message of the podcast is spend that time now with your kids. Invest now for the future. Don't take the easy road right now because, gosh darn it, you're going to pay for it sooner or later. Pay the small price now. Get that beautiful return on investment. And that return on investment is having the best kids, kids you can be proud of. But most importantly, you as a person, you can be proud of who you've become as opposed to just going through life making excuses. And the In a Minute Buddy actually uh, helped in, in a way, in a weird way. Because um, uh, my youngest, 
or <laughs> not my youngest. I guess my dad's youngest uh, uh, son, Emmett. I'm like my your little, little brother. brother. Yeah, go. Right. Uh, I'll find myself. I'll be like, in a minute, but he'll want to play it. In a minute, but, and then I'll be like, gosh darn it. And then I'll be like, all right, just put that down, whatever I'm doing, and, and go there play with go, him. So, so, like, in a way, that definitely helped because, you know. Well, you don't want to be a, a bad dad like dad. I got you. You didn't say that. I don't know say that. What the heck? No, but that, that's the whole part about being open-minded and learning. And then also, uh, you know, I don't uh, hate my dad in any way, shape, or form. He did the best he could do to be the best dad he could be. And that's all I've uh, – and, and Austin talks to me, and, you know, I could know I could have done a better job. But it's rewarding to know that I've kind of conditioned a young man here that uh, is understanding, accepting, and forgiving that, hey, Dad, you did the best you could do. I'm going to learn, and I'm going to be an even better dad than you were. And that's wonderful. Ooh, that's a tough that's a tough one. Uh, listen to him. So humble. But that's uh, that's the goal, I think, of any you know good parent, good, good mentor or leader. You want the person you're mentoring, parenting, leading – to be better than you are. And uh, in closing, I could talk about this forever. Too many things, or too many times in society today, people are too worried about if I show or tell him or teach him to be better than me, then what the heck am I gonna do? What the heck are you gonna do? Man, you're gonna say, hey, I had a part of that. That should make you feel great. And they will always remember. But if you try and hold them down, they're gonna remember that too and they're gonna regret you for it. That's something for a whole nother podcast. Austin, any uh, last remarks you wanna say to the listeners out there? Um, I had something in my something in your head. I, yeah, I had something in my head. Then you that happens to dad all the time. <laughs> Random thoughts. It's in the I family here. Um, I don't, thank you very much for having me on podcast. I, you like it? I so, love it. Yep. So, um, just so you know, you followed up uh, a couple rock stars there. You followed up uh, Master Chip Townsend, which you met in Colorado, and Kiyoshi Dave Kovar. You've met a few times, and uh, these guys are kind of legends, aren't they? They they are. I'm humbled. Yep, it's awesome. Good stuff. And then uh, last week you had the, right there in that chair you're sitting in right now was uh, Big Jono, Jono Kabenjian, the <laughs> voice of the Cowboys there. Heck yes. You met him out in the war room, didn't you? I did. He's a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Well, Austin, thank you so much, bud. I love you more than anything, and uh, um, I want you to continue to be in the wonderful young man that you are. Well, I wish I could say the same, but no, I'm just kidding. Love you wow. too. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now he's loosening up. Man, oh, man, where was that an hour ago? Good stuff. Okay, guys. Well, listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. As always, please share this with others and listen to it more than once for the motivation and inspiration you need to you know, live your best kick in life. Of course, you can find us at lineupmedia.fm, and our podcast is kickinlifepodcast.com, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure you listen, make sure you share, and then make sure you tune in again next week for another exciting episode of the Kickin' Life podcast. And until we talk again, you get out there and do your best, and I promise you'll be your very best. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. We'll make sure to hit you with that right hook reality. Ooh, nice finish there, buddy. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to another exciting Kickin' Life podcast. This is Master Rich Grogan, your Kickin' Life guru, reminding you you can find our podcast online at kickinlifepodcast.com or through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast. Tune in next week, another exciting show coming your way. In the meantime, you get out there and do what you do best, and I promise you'll be your very best. Have a blessed day, everybody. Talk to you real soon. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.